0: This is episode seven of the Foreign Language Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, John Fotheringham. In today's show, I interview Arkady Zilberman, the creator of Language Bridge. For a transcript of this episode and more tips, tools, and tech for learning any language, go to Languagemastery.com. Here is the phone interview, originally recorded February eighth, twenty eleven. Hello there. Hi. Good to talk to you again. Thank you, John. How have you been?
1: Oh, good. I'm uh, working a lot on my method now. Uh, and I've published a few articles, Prepare a presentation for a roundtable discussion. And there is a good news. I have now found an investor and oh, a marketing group. So, Fantastic. yeah, it's moving. Yes. It's moving. I have also decided that I will now offer all versions of language-based software free for six months so that both the students and teachers will have more options to try it. And I hope that in this way I will get much more testimonials and uh, by the way, uh, yesterday on that uh, Kirsten's blog, mm-hmm. uh, one user of language bridge has uh, published there his testimonial. His name is Mick, and it's a fantastic testimonial. I never uh, met him, but uh, he has given that his uh uh, you know, a description of his experience, and uh, it's a very unique testimonial because he uh, used both Pinsler method and language bridge method.
0: I think it's wonderful you uh, were able to do the interview with Kirsten, because I think she has a pretty established reputation now in the industry, and I think she can help bring your work into the ears and Lives of more people.
1: Yes, uh, that is uh, very helpful. I understand, but however, of course, I also understand that there are a lot of uh, problems because uh, linguists would uh, prefer to use uh, the methods which they know, right. and it's normal.
0: Let's use that as our uh, jump-off point. Then, comparing language bridge with "quote unquote" the methods that a linguist would know.
1: It's different in that I think that cross-translation is the main barrier in learning a language. And here cross-translation is a very uh, interesting term because as I describe it, it um, uh, actually has nothing to do with <laughs> translation. Right. Um, uh, well, in, we should add you're...
0: that you, you were formerly a simultaneous interpreter. I think it's important for the listeners to understand that you have that background.
1: Yes, actually, uh, I uh, wo- uh, I have a degree in science, and I worked for nearly 20 years as a simultaneous interpreter in the former Soviet Union. And uh, during my work, I made hundreds, if not thousands, of experiments, and I have found that... Uh, a simultaneous repetition a simultaneous uh, translation uh is actually not using two languages but using one language at a time and it, it it's uh, sounds strange but that was the uh, foundation of the language bridge in other words, if you, on your blog, you have a guest post by Antonio, mm-hmm. and you uh, remember you its title, Is Your Native Language a Help or a Hindrance? Mm-hmm. Now, answering uh, your question, I will most definitely say that it is a hindrance. And here I will also say that uh, although the statistics is that only 5% of people successfully learn a foreign language. Only 5%. This statistic is confirmed, uh, for example, by the founder of uh, Total Physical Response uh, System, Dr. James uh, Asher. And I was... Trying to find an answer to this question why it is so that some people very easily learn a foreign language and most have great difficulty in it. I came to the conclusion that it's because our native language becomes a barrier, especially in adults. Mm -hmm. In other words, we try to add a foreign language to the native language. And that's why we actually, when we learn a, a foreign language, we use, um, bilingual information. That is, we use two languages. Uh, necessarily we use native language and we uh, actually learn foreign words as a translation uh, to and from the native language. We try to add to say English to a native language. In my case, my native language is Russian, so when um, I, I thought that if any Russian tries to learn a foreign language, most of them try to add English to Russian, and that wouldn't work. It works only in very rare cases, only 5%. 95% Ninety-five percent have great difficulties. Uh, it's uh, interesting that I first noted that, and I call it uh, cross-translation. Actually, it's uh, subconscious activity. When learning a foreign language, you always use uh, um, maybe without even special, uh, you know, efforts. It's just subconscious. You don't notice it. And here I can give you one example. Rosetta Stone, um, a very famous program, a great program. And uh, they uh, start showing uh, you some pictures, uh, to say a horse, a table, and uh, anything. And they then give the word, first the picture, and then the word in English. The assumption was that if you exclude the native language from the learning process, that you can learn as a child. In my opinion, it's wrong. It's, uh, you know, wishing because it's impossible because subconsciously, most people will subconsciously first see this word uh, table in their native language. In my case, in Russian, I will see that it is tall. And then they will see it as a table. So this uh, is very hard to alleviate. We have actually to have a special tool to solve this problem. And at this point, I want to mention um, the great uh, book and video uh, by Norman Deutsch. He is a psychologist and a medical researcher. In his book, he uh, studied uh, all neuroscientists' work for the last 50 years. And uh, following them, he actually came to the conclusion that adults have great difficulties in learning a foreign language because of the, as he calls it, tyranny of the mother tongue. Yes,
0: I love that quote.
1: (laughs) Yes, and actually that explains, uh, I didn't um, uh, formulate it that way. I knew for many years, and I tried to uh, explain it to linguists. It's very hard, by the way, uh, to a linguist to understand it. It may be very hard for you because linguists never had that problem.
0: Well, see, this is actually one thing I I think we we just agree on, because, you know, my background is in linguistics, but most linguists that I know don't actually speak a foreign language, which I think might be—I think the definition of, you know, quote-unquote linguist is very broad. You have a degree in linguistics, you're a linguist, or are you someone who speaks one or many foreign languages, then you're a linguist. So uh, I, I think your definition right now you're talking about is for the latter, Someone who has learned one or many foreign languages well, for that person, they might not understand why others have a hard time. Is
1: that correct? Uh, not quite. Uh, as a linguist, I may uh, call, or uh, well, let's broaden that term and just uh, tell any um, uh, English uh, teacher or foreign language uh, actually teacher or who, those uh, linguists who uh, write books uh, or you know, the uh, lessons, programs for learning a foreign language, mm-hmm. because they never encounter that problem. It's very hard for them to understand. They think uh, that uh, the cross-translation cannot be sold, and so let's forget about it. That's uh, the uh, normal condition for any uh, student to overcome his uh, native uh, uh, tongue, uh, mother tongue tyranny. But then uh, if we agree on that, we may um, mention that briefly that in the history, there were a few... uh, methods which overcome this uh, impediment, and uh, I mentioned in uh, those articles on Kirsten's blog that Cullen method Mm -hmm. is one method, then the uh, the crazy English, if you know about that in uh, China.
0: So that was was one that I I wanted to also talk about, is from my experience with the crazy English method, I'm actually quite skeptical. Because it actually doesn't seem to fit with other things you've said in that you talk about how the listen and repeat after me method is going to become extinct because it obviously does not work. But I don't see how that's different from Crazy English. From what I've seen is there's a guy on a stage and he's yelling out phrases and then the whole audience is just repeating after him.
1: Oh, yeah. It's uh, very different, and here is why. When you are, um, first of all, it's not learning, it's uh, rehearsing. Somebody had given a very good term, Uh, it's not learning English. And when you repeat in a crowd at that time, because you are all together and you repeat at the same time, it's very unusual activity, and because of that, your subconscious cross-translation to and from your native tongue is turned off. But neither the founder of Callan Method nor uh, Mr. Lee, the founder of the Crazy English, didn't know actually how it works. They uh, came to it from the practical point of view, it works. And so they have... uh, quite a number of followers but of course it is is not the method which would be recommended uh, to learn english in the stadium so your your point Uh, is that
0: that that method turns off cross translation yes but it's not enough it's not a complete way that you would recommend of actually going about it
1: Uh, yeah of course first of all it cannot be uh um, used as a basis for the blended learning Because there is another very important term, and I think that in the future, the blended learning, when we have to help to learn English in China to 350, 100 million people, young adult learners, then the blended learning probably is the only alternative. And the blended learning means that you have to use software with pre-recorded lessons, which a learner can use use at home uh, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. And he will have also an option uh, to sign up for some uh, public classes, maybe. Or if he can afford for private lessons, but most of them will use public lessons where they can ask questions, where they can solve their problems, where they can be tested and get the feedback of the results of their self-testing. So the blended learning, I think, is also the only alternative, in my point, for future meeting that uh, demand, that gigantic demand in learning English, which in that article is described as English mania, probably, you know, that term also.
0: In my experience, as a teacher, I made every effort to try to de-emphasize my role and de-emphasize the importance of a teacher, emphasize the importance of the individual learner's motivation, attitude, and choice of materials that they are interested in, which I, I think is something we, we agree on. But they were not sold. It was very difficult to convince the learners that they actually don't need a teacher, or at least that the, the, a teacher cannot force the language into their brains, that that's something that only their brain can do that at a subconscious level. So I think that that's actually, uh, in terms of perception, in terms of marketing, that's a major hurdle that I think all of us still have to overcome in addressing, especially the Chinese market.
1: Uh, I totally agree with you. However, I think that, first of all, we have to select one point and maybe to attract students uh, to that point. The point is, which we just briefly mentioned before, that we have to answer the question, what is the main barrier? We have to explain that the conventional, by the way, uh, your um, presentation about the conventional methods, uh, that is a great, great presentation. However, we should first solve that problem and uh the problem is we have to explain it maybe demonstrate it and then to give the tool that without and uh, we must probably explain a little bit more because when we talk about simultaneous repetition, it's not clear enough yes. because actually it is uh, the, uh, you know, essence here, not in simultaneous repetition. The essence in that, that we use three actions at the same time. So a learner reads to say the text on the screen, the learner hears in the headset, necessarily in the headset, and repeats at the same time by performing three actions at the same time. The tyranny of the mother tongue is silenced. It is turned on automatically. There is no way, and I determined it just experimentally in the... Thousands and thousands of customers uh, already uh, learned English. And now, the, especially most of them are in Russia. But now I try to bring this method to other countries and especially to China. Mm-hmm. And that's why I have uh, already produced a software, which I at this point even offer for free. And that's, the software is localized into Chinese Uh, It's localized into Spanish, into Russian. And one teacher actually localized it uh, into a Czech language. So if you use those three actions at the same time, the subconscious cross-translation would be uh, turned off. That is the main point. And to explain that, maybe that will change the attitude of uh, Chinese learners because they know for thousand words actually every college graduate knows four thousand five hundred words and he cannot speak english
0: right well they've memorized the translation of those words exactly they can see it on a piece of paper and know what it means but if they exactly hear the same word they won't know what it is exactly yeah that's absolutely so
1: uh, so that should be the starting point
0: i guess one of my curiosities would be from turning off cross-translation and getting those three, well, there's actually two forms of input and one form of output, all done simultaneously. From from that stage to actually understanding the meaning of what you're saying or hearing, that's that's something I'd really like to understand in a more you know, cognitive, linguistic sense?
1: I will explain how it is accomplished. First of all, when you do all those three actions at the same time, and you are very uh, clearly described, it's uh, two inputs and one output, uh, that actually activates your both left and right brain. And why you don't have any problems, because... The program is localized. That means that everything what is there is in two languages. And although I say that we have two separate languages, and the language, your native language, mother tongue, is there, but it is used, I would say, in a different mode. For example, if uh, you start a new lesson, You can read with your eyes in your mother tongue and imagine the situation because you do not pronounce the word. Actually, uh, when in the class, I always even recommend to keep your tongue uh, between your teeth like this so that you cannot pronounce the word. And by the way, that opens your visualization again. You visualize the text, you do not read it or remember it. Right. And then you immediately go to the next drill when you see this same text in English. And you read it, you listen to it, and you repeat it. So you know what it's about because you were introduced to the images of the lesson in your native tongue.
0: Right. So the context is clear. But then once yes. you actually get into the drills, the idea is you're not going to be translating word for word. You are trying to build that exactly. new language center. By using exactly your, mouth, your ears and your eyes.
1: Exactly. more than that. There is a one a great additional tool built into this software. Whenever you have a problem with uh, the word or with the meaning of the word, you can click uh, on it with your right mouse button and translation into the mother tongue will appear but only for 10 seconds. So you will see it, and the time is enough to create the image. And because you hear this word and you continue pronouncing the whole sentence, you even don't notice that you got the image, not the translation. You don't remember translation. You don't see it. You don't work on it. It is given to open your, or actually to activate your visual Mm, capability again mm. and many learners have noticed that that their uh, even memory was improved because their visual capacity was returned back interesting so there is there is no problem in understanding, and also that's uh, again a, a difficult uh, part to understand because some teachers, uh, you know, in those comments and everywhere they um, see a contradiction here that I say that the, we have to silence the uh, mother tongue, and at the same time I give everything in two languages. There is no contradiction at all. I give it in a totally different environment. Totally different application.
0: Right. That's something that I think needs to be very clear to the end user and to the teacher. There's two purposes here of the native language and the target. The the native is there only for creating that mental... Context.
1: Uh, yeah, John. But we have to um, maybe to uh, go into some details and everything you uh, we have to write about. We have to explain it because even to linguists, first, it's hard to understand because it's so different what what we use now. And um, you know, when you will read that. Uh, You know, uh, testimonial of Nick. And uh, it's interesting there. He mentioned that he noted that sometimes while repeating after the speaker, he was one or two words ahead of it. And that is a very interesting observation made by many, many learners, because when it becomes automatic, when the speech center of the target language, in this case, English language, is formed, and you see or hear the image, you are in the visual mode, the word appears on the tip of your tongue as if by itself. And he was surprised. He even couldn't understand where it comes from. And I want to explain to him, to you, to everybody, it comes from the language speech center in the brain, which is formed as a result of three action approach, three actions at the same time.
0: Linguistically speaking, it would also be called spreading.
1: There are two different types of spreading. Uh, One spreading you are talking about is actually... um, Mm -hmm. Uh, in the case when you still uh, you have uh, both your native language and uh, your target language, and still the spreading can work there because uh, there are many, many students, who, uh, learners, who actually speak uh, from this, uh, I would call, two-language center uh, and because uh, there is no such thing, but it seems to them that they speak because they translate quickly enough. But it takes a lot of uh, brain power and very few can do it. Mostly um, fail and they just stop learning a foreign language because they cannot do it. Now, the spreading when you have separate languages, um, uh, when you activate the uh, new language speech center in the brain, by the way, it starts working even when you know 300 words. I just experimentally determined it by many hundreds of students who I uh, have noted that after about seven or um, eight l- lessons they already feel that some of their expressions come um, to them automatically so you don't need a lot uh, much uh, you know effort to pronounce something which uh, you feel
0: I think even a lot of language enthusiasts, teachers, linguists, who are even our basic same camp, uh, you know, we're, we're all on the same side of basically saying that the traditional way doesn't work. But even on this side of the wall, there's still obviously many subdivisions. And I think one of those major subdivisions is listen first, speak later, or speak as soon as possible. But I, I think that uh, as your method has proved... And as many others out there have proved, uh, the disadvantage of speaking soon has been highly exaggerated.
1: Uh, Not only exaggerated, but uh, it's not uh, quite true because… Uh, You know, I I think you were one of the first who mentioned that one of the main reasons of the conventional methods uh, didn't produce desired results is because they consider uh, foreign languages as information. Yes. Although it is a skill. Yes. But if it is information and you base all your research and all uh, um, on this uh, assumption that it is information, then we have a lot of problems here. And I would like here to mention one of the most, I would say, scientifically-based uh, methods in the world, and that is Pimsler method. And you're very, uh, uh, you know, r- correctly describe it, that it was introduced in 1967 in a most scientifically-based paper. But the Pimsler method, a very scientific method, was uh, correct because at that time uh, there was only one um, theory and one assumption that a foreign language is information. And if you consider it as information, his method is right. But if you consider that it is a skill and you have to separate, you have to silence mother tongue, and you you can actually very quickly, in a few months, you can start forming a new language speech center and you can learn a language in less than a year and be absolutely proficient in it then his method becomes um, obsolete. It doesn't, uh, uh, you know, meet the current level of knowledge. A foreign language is a skill, and if you learn it as a skill, then his uh, famous graduated interval recall theory is not applicable anymore. It's not information And if you remember that, um, once again, that uh, learner, Mick, he said he was keeping um, learning Pimsler three times in a row, all three levels, and he was keeping forgetting it. Why? Because as information, especially bilingual information, uh, it's our protective mechanism. We are doomed to forget everything in 30 days, 90% 90% of information is lost which uh, the special information which was not used so that is um, catch 22 mm-hmm.
0: and and i think that's why so many of the, these people are continue to be frustrated despite so much effort they still fail exactly and what is it they're failing at they're they're failing at a, a mission impossible which is to memorize yes. an almost infinite number of facts about an organic system uh, which is not fact-based.
1: You know that Chinese learners, they are, you know, very motivated. They're very capable. They are learning English um, uh, maybe four hours a day, you know, and still no result because the system is wrong. Now, why it is wrong? Because you can memorize words and they do memorize words, but speech is a subconscious process where memory doesn't pay uh, play um, uh, practically any role we confuse two different processes when we speak we do not uh, how to say it's subconscious process we do not recall words we do not use memory the words appear on the tip of our tongue called called forward uh, if you will uh, by the image by the feeling by association We speak in chunks. Mm -hmm. Another um, interesting point, that in language bridge, we do not learn words at all. A separately uh, taken word doesn't have any meaning. We learn by chunks, by sentences.
0: Absolutely. attempt to memorize English or any language through uh, a linear memorization of individual words is, is doomed to failure.
1: Yes, but uh, nevertheless, uh, that's all what we do. And uh, that's very uh, strange. And actually, it's, um, uh, to me, it's very painful even to observe it because it's, it seems to me so illogical.
0: It's illogical from the point of view of what works to learn a language. It's very logical from the point of view of what's easiest to teach and test in a formal setting
1: uh but but we yes i understand it
0: i think the only thing that ultimately will work is to show people that it does work and i think you know the the comment you had from mick yes that that's exactly what you, you you're getting it's people that have actually used it and said wow it actually works
1: um, and sean you know i have hundreds and hundreds of such testimonials and some of them are on the website. Mm-hmm and what is interesting that uh, i received actually uh, in the form of a testimonial i received a whole e uh you know essay from one of the uh, chinese um, learner and uh, he told me that uh, Uh, For him, he came to Canada to continue his education, and when he came here after being, you know, the best student in in China, after having the highest score in all those, you know, uh, certificates which are necessary Mm -hmm. to graduate, he came to uh, uh, Toronto to find out that he doesn't understand English and he cannot speak English. And he really? was, uh, you know, shocked. Yeah. And he started to look for the cure. Uh, he was lucky. He found the language bridge. He started to use it. It helped him. And in response, he uh, sent me uh, his testimonial. What's also interesting, he um, in his essay, he described that actually simultaneous repetition was used for centuries in Asian culture for different things not only for uh, martial arts, yep. for learning music, for learning mathematics, for learning, uh, uh, you know, um, how to sing, for many, many things. It was used there for centuries. So they are very well familiar with it. And somehow in our culture, we never came to this I came across it by pure chance because I worked as a simultaneous interpreter, uh, interpreter, and that's why I came to it. But then, actually, this approach has a lot of history behind, has a lot of logical explanation and rationality, I would say. Mm-hmm. It is a scientific approach.
0: Well, and it's a, it's a human approach, I would also say. Uh in, in that it, it it mimics how we actually learn all all of our physical skills. You, you mentioned martial arts, you know, and I often use that analogy: is if can you imagine trying to teach somebody how to perform a certain movement by explaining you need to bend your elbow at forty five degrees and, <laughs> and, and apply twenty four kilograms of force and, <laughs> and shift the weight from your. I mean, but that's exactly how we try to teach a language. It's absurd.
1: Yes. Yes. And you know what? Actually, I have used a few times this phrase that when you start learning and teaching by language bridge, then all your students become language capable again. Mm-hmm. And here, let's um, come to that point again and maybe elaborate on that a little bit more. Uh, and that uh, you were going to ask me about, I uh, just yes. remind you yes. about that 95, 5% ratio. What is that?
0: That's one thing you, you bring up often, is that uh, 95% of adults are, quote-unquote, foreign language incapable. And I, I think my key point, and this is something that uh, much of foreign language mastery is about, is that, yes, indeed, obviously, 95%, or even I would say higher in many populations, percent of adults fail to learn a foreign language to fluency. Absolutely, there's no argument there. However, why is that the case? I think that's where we might slightly differ in our, in our views. I do agree that cross-translation is a huge part of it, no doubt. Um, but I think I ascribe attitude, motivation, and what materials you use is uh, also very large percentages of that. And, and a lot of this is, of course, experience. A lot of it is anecdotal. Uh, but some of it is scientific. But it's hard to nail down you know any of the effective factors in language learning scientifically i mean No,
1: no, John, I cannot agree with this, um, uh, and uh, here is why. If you talk about motivation, then uh, you cannot find more motivated people uh, than Chinese learners, and they have the greatest difficulties.
0: Absolutely, but when I say attitude, I don't just mean only motivation. I don't think those are synonymous. I think motivation is one subset of attitude, but when I talk about attitude, I mean attitude towards Language learning, attitude towards one's self identity, attitude in terms of do you think you can actually learn a foreign language? I want to put China aside for a moment because I think they are absolutely they are very motivated. I'm I'm talking more about uh, North American learners of Japanese or North American learners of Chinese or other languages, and I think across the board most of them do believe a languages are hard. Uh, They think that they cannot learn a foreign language, which is a big part of the uh, support of saying that they're language incapable i think a lot of that's a self-fulfilling prophecy where you say oh i can't do this and then of course you can't um but i I think we're parsing hairs here we agree that no doubt 95 percent of people fail whether that's because its attitude or because it's method only who knows i I think we could probably argue all day about it um i'm more interested in the solution
1: uh Uh, John, okay, I heard what you said, but uh, let me give my point. And maybe if you will just um, uh, listen from and try to use more intuition than your past experience, just intuition and logic, maybe you will um, see it from a different angle. Uh, it's. And I don't believe that attitude and motivation is a very it is important but not crucial it's not of paramount importance because they failed and that is a statistical fact and uh, we already uh, know that one of the main reasons is their subconscious um, cross translation or the tyranny of the mother tongue now there's another explanation and um, maybe it will make it more easier uh, to digest this new approach. Most people, adults especially at the age of eighteen, and they become logical. What that means is because we learn so many uh, subjects in school, because we learn everything, we think everything, and because the ego at this point becomes our con- uh, controller, we everything compare to the past, to our past experience. And whatever comes into our uh, you know, field of vision, we evaluate according to our own experience. And so we become very, very logical now it's just statistical fact that five percent of people remain visual i cannot find explanation to this but that is the nature maybe the human nature where that probability theory and the distribution curve those people who are very visual they can learn a foreign language by any methods Mm. That's why you are a linguist, I am a self-made linguist, because we both are visual. We can learn, and I can learn any language in a very short time, because I am visual. And I actually determined it experimentally, because when I do simultaneous repetition, you know what happens? I see what the um, speaker is uh, telling me. I see it. I don't hear it. Right. And I can give you one case, and it looks like, you know, it was a a practical case like anecdote. I knew very little uh, German at that time, and there was a mistake in the program. And one of the lecturers turned out to be German instead of English. And I started to translate simultaneously from German into Russian. And I practically didn't notice the difference because it doesn't matter to me. I don't hear the words. I see the uh, images and I translated it and then I uh, started to think how it happened. I don't hear the words, I see the image. So those 5% are lucky people who somehow preserve that ability and they can learn any language. Now, what happens, and that's why I disagree with your approach, and it was a lot of, um, you know, published uh, scientific articles about that. Again, it's because when the languages were information, Mm -hmm. Now, when it is more a skill, we do not have really research in this field, because if you consider it as a skill, if you use a method similar to language bridge, when you turn off, you silence the mother tongue, then you become visual again. And that is why I, um, a few times, I have uh, written about it, explained it in my lectures, in my Viz IQ classes, that this method restores your language capability. Any learner who follows the language bridge instructions become visual again. He become language capable again. He can learn. Anybody can learn a language. And... Of course, motivation and attitude is important, but it is not a decising factor.
0: Hmm. The point you make where anybody, regardless of their attitude, if they actually do this method, will learn. I think that's a key point. Exactly. Uh, Yes. I, I think, though, back to my point, to get somebody to spend the time to do it in the first place, that's one of the first obstacles. That absolutely is going to be attitudinal they have to be motivated and they have to want to do it and they have to believe it's going to work. And I I think.
1: Uh, Yes, John. uh, Yes, I understand. You are absolutely right. But uh, you know what? And it would be difficult, but we should remember that any chain reaction of a dramatic change in any field requires only four or 5% of a sample to believe and the more we get such um, testimonials, and we'll get them in hundreds and thousands, the more it will become popular. Besides, the uh, language bridge software is organized in a very special way and a very unusual way. You would never find such features, I will briefly now um, name them here, uh, that, uh, in any other uh, software or program. For example, you can print out any lesson or any drill, you can transfer it to any MP3 player, and you can work on it um, not necessarily on a computer. You can work on it on your um, uh, MP3 player, on phone, anywhere, any And besides, if you understand the fundamentals of it, you can actually take um, a lot of free resources on Internet. There are thousands, millions of free resources. They are underused. Why? Because students, learners, they don't believe that they can do it. Now, we have to show it. We have to explain them why they could not and why they can now. That's what I try to um, to show to you. And if I will be successful to show uh, to you, then maybe together we'll be successful to show it to somebody else. That's the chain reaction.
0: Yep, I'm converted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. I have no doubt in the efficacy. I think when you're... agree with somebody, then it's interesting to talk about the 1% you disagree. Yes,
1: yes. And that's um, a great pleasure, Sean. And that's why I'm very grateful now for this interview with you, because I felt that that since you created that presentation about the conventional methods and you are looking for something new, um, that's why I was sure that you will be interested in this approach.
0: I am indeed. Well, thank you for uh, getting in touch and being patient with me getting back to you. And uh, I look forward to talking again.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: All right. Good luck. For a transcript of this episode and more tips, tools, and tech for learning any language, go to languagemastery.com.